0: Welcome to Daybreak Africa from the Voice of America. I am James Barty in Washington. Today is Tuesday, November 8th, and here are some of the stories we are covering. Today is midterm elections day in the United States. People join the parties that they feel they align most with, but it's really about the issues at the end of the day. In any role, you represent the interests of the people that you serve. We'll examine the geopolitical implications of today's U.S. midterm elections from Zambia. Kenya Airways threatens action against striking pilots. Ethiopia's warring factions meet to discuss implementation of peace deal. Reports say bad weather may have contributed to the weekend plane crash in Tanzania. Tensions rise again between the DRC and Rwanda, even as the two countries talk peace.
1: Rwandan government did a statement informing the Congolese government and the international opinion. That communist jet fighters violated the uh, air
0: airspace. And helping Kenya's ethnic Maasai to restore parched lands through rainwater harvesting. Those stories and more are coming up on Daybreak Africa. Americans are voting today, Tuesday, in midterm elections. The outcome will determine which party, Republican or Democrat, will control the House of Representatives and the Senate. There are also candidates of African descent running for local offices, from county clerks to state representatives. Some candidates are immigrants or the children of immigrants. Grace Alhiri Abdu, the managing editor of VOA Hausa Language Service, spoke with three candidates with roots in Nigeria. They are Iro Omeri, who is running for a seat in the Texas State Assembly, Shegun Adyena, a first timer who is running unopposed, on and one of five Nigerians who will make history in Atlanta if elected and Carol Kazim, who made history as the first Nigerian to win a Pennsylvania legislative seat after defeating a prominent incumbent in the primaries.
1: I just needed to prove why my work is very instrumental into running for a state seat, yeah. and how that plays a factor with, you know, the impact and, you know, the changes that are needed in Pennsylvania um, to actually, you know, start seeing more progression going on here. This is my first time running for a public office. It's definitely more um, than I expected, especially, you know, with the knowledge of knowing how to run a campaign, raising the money for a campaign, Mm -hmm. (laughs) um, making sure I have the proper and the right team in place and, Mm -hmm. you know, addressing um, a lot of citizen needs in the midst of me campaigning um, to also show them that we're ready to start the work now.
2: What I encourage, I tell people, it's not really always about the party. It's really about the issues. So we should have representation both sides. And also, it doesn't mean because I'm black, I'm a Democrat, or because I'm white, I'm a Republican. I just mm-hmm. think people join the parties that they feel they align most with. But it's really about the issues at the end of the day. In any role, you represent the interests of the people that you serve.
0: You heard from three candidates of Nigerian descent who were running for office in today's U.S. midterm elections. They spoke with Grace Alhiri Abdul, the managing editor of the U.S. House Language Service. Americans are voting today in midterm elections. The midterm elections are proving to be of interest to non-voters in Africa. For instance, Zambians are keenly following the elections with a focus on the geopolitical implications and how the outcome of the elections will shape foreign policy towards Zambia. Daniel Tonga reports from Lusaka.
3: The upcoming midterm elections in the US are telling of how America still exerts influence beyond its borders. Zambians are calling for voters in the US to elect leaders who will improve US foreign policy towards Zambia. Relations between America and Zambia under former president of Zambia, Edgar Lungu, were bumpy on many fronts, including human rights. Hopes are rising in Zambia that the midterm election will usher in leaders who will redefine relations. We are just hoping as Zambia that, you know, whatsoever the results of the elections, the midterm elections in America, we should be able to have leaders who will be able to not bling the division and the conflict that we saw when they were, you know, proposing to to establish a base in Zambia. So Zambia is looking forward to the leadership that will respect the sovereignty of this country and, you know, the leadership that will be able to engage Zambia and not impose, you know, policies that definitely are, you know, are rejected by the, you know, sovereign, you know, citizens of this country. But to some people, the midterm elections will not signal any change in foreign direction as core principles of human rights, good governance and democracy hardly change in the U.S. The midterm elections have also become a reminder that Zambia still depends on the U.S. for aid and more support for Zambia will still be needed. We want
4: them to continue with the support, especially on us here in Africa, because uh, We are not a monopoly as a country ourselves, first of all. And we want to tell you that Africa depends on other people. And the U.S. is one of them. We have been in a very good uh, friendship with them. And we want them to go in there and build up, in, in fact, increase more funding.
3: America's democracy remains a best model to follow and concerns over how Democrats and Republicans will shape economic and political issues in the House will be closely followed by Zambians.
4: In the living in a global village. What is favoring Americans should also favor Africans here. So, which is not happening, we pray that they will elect a leaders in parliament that have a focus on Africans, those that will relate very well with Africans, not segregating, this one is not following our policies, not siding with us, then you put them in the corner because they have spoken against the elite Democrats.
3: The outcome of the midterm election will have a major impact on the remaining years of Joe Biden. But for Zambians, the primary concerns still remain closer to home. The need to redefine U.S. foreign policy and more aid to Africa. Daniel Tonga, VOA News, Lusaka.
0: Relations between Rwanda and the Democratic Republic of Congo deteriorated further on Monday as Rwanda accused DRC of violating Rwandan airspace when it said a DRC fighter jet entered Rwandan airspace. A Rwandan government statement described the incident as, quote, one of many provocations. Late last month, DRC expelled Rwanda's ambassador to DRC and again accused Kigali of supporting the M23 rebels. This as the two countries have been holding peace talks this week in Angola's capital, Luanda. For additional insight, I spoke with journalist Al-Katanti Sibiti Jaffa in Goma, the capital of North Kivu province in eastern DRC. People of Goma saw since Sunday
1: morning the passage of two jets in the Kogodese airspace. But today, around 11.30 uh, local times, one of those jets passed very close to the border of Rwanda. And the Rwandan government says that they passed in their airspace.
0: Has there been any response uh, from the Rwanda side about this jet?
1: Rwandan government did a statement informing the Congolese government and the international opinion that Congolese jet fighters violated the Rwandan airspace, but they didn't do any military reaction. We can read in the statement, Rwandan government called Congolese and all actors of the region to go back to the peace talk in Rwanda, Nairobi, and Bujumbura.
0: What can you tell us about the talks going on between these two countries?
1: Uh, This will be the third time that the two countries have to talk in Angola. And during the latest conflict between DRC and M53, Rwanda and DRC have talked in Nairobi and then in Angola. And both sides are not respecting the engagement uh, i remember the last time when president security and kagame was in angola they didn't sign the final communication Makers us think that things are not good in that side diplomacy is not going in the good side but on ground here we think that Congo wants to respond on the M twenty three attacks by military way as now they engaged fighter jets because since the beginning of the war between M twenty three and FRDC, Congo didn't use his jets, but now they engaged jets and we think that they are ready to fight and not to negotiate. But we don't know Maybe diplomacy will do other things than what people are expecting.
0: What can you tell us, Sir uh, Jafar, about this mobilization of uh, young Congolese to fight the M23?
1: Yes, the last talk of the president to the nation, he called all young people to join military to support soldiers so that we can defeat. And the day after, thousands of young people, uh, it was like 2,000 in Beni and 800 in Goma, went to register themselves to the FRDC to be trained so that they joined Frontline. This, according to the spokesperson of the FRDC, is what will show the courage of Congolese youth as they want peace. They want now to participate in, in the processes to recover peace in their country.
0: Jaffa, thank you so much uh, for talking with us. I, I do appreciate it. Thank
1: you.
0: That was reporter Jaffa Al-Katanti speaking with us from Goma in the Eastern Democratic Republic of Congo. you are listening to Daybreak Africa on The Voice of America, I am James Butte in Washington. Today is Tuesday, November 8th. For more African news and features, visit our website at voaafrica.com. Ethiopia's federal government and Tigray regional leaders began meeting in the Kenyan capital, Nairobi, on Monday for talks on an African Union broker peace deal signed last week in South Africa. The parties are discussing how to implement the deal and get much needed food and medical aid to areas cut off by two years of war, Mohammed Yusuf reports from Nairobi.
5: Ethiopian government representatives and the leadership of the Tigray People's Liberation Front are meeting to implement the peace agreement that has given Ethiopian civilians trapped in the conflict new hope. Former Nigerian President Olesegun Obasanjo and Uhuru Kenyatta, former Kenyan president, are chairing the talks. Tigray spokesperson Getachew Reda says implementing the peace agreement will create more opportunities for the country.
4: There are a number of things that need to be done which are stipulated in our agreement. The uh, provision of services is one thing. And the more services there are, the more confidence there is, the more communication there is and the more hope and uh, expectation uh, it instills in the the people's mind and that will further consolidate the peace we are trying to uh, put in place. So it's, uh, like I said we are committed to honor the uh, the commitments we made
5: the deal calls for an end to the two year conflict and the delivery of humanitarian assistance to the people in the Tigray region the Ethiopian government's lead negotiator Redwan Hussein said it is a priority to reconnect the Tigray community with the rest of the country
4: in the areas also where we have no taxes, we have to quickly reconnect services both telecoms energy in uh, banking systems, but before that, uh, our people need food first and medicine. And for that, we are trying to expedite. The-,
5: the war has displaced millions and killed tens of thousands more. The conflict has made it difficult for aid agencies to reach millions in the Tigray region with food and medical supplies. The agreement also calls for the TPLF to lay down its arms in exchange for reintegration and the return of the national army to the region. Tigray representatives say they have made a painful concession to end the conflict. Obasanjo, the African Union's chief mediator, say the two sides have established a telephone hotline. The hotline will help them monitor the truce and communicate with their forces to stop fighting in case of flare-ups. Kenyatta, a co-mediator of the peace talks, says he expects the ongoing negotiations to end the civil war.
0: At the conclusion of this process will be colleagues who will be working together for the betterment of their country, for the betterment of Ethiopia, for the benefit of our region, and ultimately join us all in our struggle to make Africa a better place and to end and silence the guns permanently so that we can focus on the well-being of our people.
5: The talks are expected to last three or four days. Mohamed Yusuf for VA News, Nairobi.
0: Kenya's national airline, Kenya Airways, is threatening disciplinary action against dozens of pilots, many who have taken sick leave to participate in what the company calls an illegal strike which grounded flights for a third day. Victoria Amunga reports from Nairobi.
6: The airline's chief executive officer, Alan Kilavuka, issued a statement Monday calling the strike illegal. Monday morning, 132 of the airline's 400 pilots registered with the airline's operations team as unfit to fly, meaning they called in sick. Kilavuka said a collective bargaining agreement forbids the pilots from staying out of work for more than 48 hours and the pilots could face dismissal. Separately, reports say officials from the pilots' union, the Kenya Airlines Pilots Association, or KALPA, have been summoned to court Tuesday. After failing to comply with orders not to launch the strike, the union has not responded to the summons. The striking pilots walked off the job Saturday, saying airline management has refused to address their grievances. They are demanding the airline address issues over pensions and salaries. The airline reported that 47 flights were cancelled Monday, leaving 12,000 passengers stranded. Management, however, says at least 2,000 of the stranded passengers have since left for various destinations as 23 pilots availed themselves for duty Monday. Kenya Airways also issued a statement on its website advising passengers against traveling to the Jumo Kenyatta International Airport if their flights are not in the operating schedule. Kenya newspaper Business Daily reports that the company has begun hiring captains and first officers, a move that could escalate the ongoing dispute. Kenya's national carrier flies more than 4 million passengers to 42 destinations annually according to its records. The partially state-owned carrier has however had financial problems in recent years. Victoria Amunga for VOA News, Nairobi.
0: Opposition politicians in Tanzania are criticizing the government for its emergency response to a plane crash on Sunday in Lake Victoria that left 19 people dead, including the pilots. Authorities say they were communicating with the pilots immediately after the precision airplane crashed on its way from Dar es Salaam to the Kagera region, as Charles Kumbe reports
2: from Dar es Salaam. Fishermen were among the first responders to the scene of the plane crash where they used their small boats to try to rescue people on the plane. Speaking with the BBC, fisherman Majaliwa Jackson, who was one of the first to arrive, said he tried to save the pilots, who were stuck in the cockpit. He was stopped by the public announcement speaker, who said they were already in communication with the pilots and there was no water leakage in the cockpit. Meanwhile, Tanzania opposition politicians are criticizing authorities for failing to quickly respond to the incident, something that could have saved the lives of many people on the plane. (inaudible) James Mbatia says, we are asking ourselves if the plane was carrying government leaders, for instance, the president, vice president, prime minister, or any other top leaders, could they use the same methods I can say no he added that yesterday's death were due to negligence at the top and not God's will since there's a law to formulate a body to regulate disasters but unfortunately that isn't the priority of the ruling party for Philbert Macheyeki a shadow minister for communication and transportation for the opposition Alliance for Change and Transparency political party, those responsible, should be held accountable. (laughs) Machayeki says the incident has shamed our country in emergence and rescue systems. In short, the rescue operation did not go well. We are not satisfied at all. He added that that is why we have asked the president to make sure those responsible for the negligence step out of their positions because it was their responsibility the government responded to the public concerns innocent Bashungwa is the minister of defense he says in this tragedy with the greatest grief we have also received comments and recommendations on how we need to organize in strengthening rescue systems and our government led by president samir hassan we have taken the comments and we are going to work on it earlier monday a funeral service for the 19 victims was held at kaitaba stadium a local football venue in bukoba tanzania's prime minister Kasim majaliwa was among the hundreds of people who attended the service meanwhile Authorities say an extensive investigation will be carried out to establish the cause of the crash. Charles Combe, for VA news in Dar es Salaam, Tanzania.
0: Traders in the Cameroon town of Kyosi on the border with Equatorial Guinea say business is suffering after the land border was closed last week ahead of November 20 elections. Equatorial Guinea says it closed the border to prevent what it calls infiltration of mercenaries who want to destabilize the elections. Political analysts say President Teodoro Obiang Nguema Mbasogo, who came to power in the 1979 coup and is Africa's longest still-serving leader, a short win. Moki Edwin Kinzeka reports from Kyosi, Cameroon. Several hundred citizens from Cameroon and Equatorial
4: Guinea, most of them merchants, say they have not been able to cross the border from Kyosi, a Cameroonian border town. To Equatorial Guinea since November 3. Dozens of heavily armed Equatorial Guinea government troops can be seen on the Central African state's side of the border. Building material importer Dominic Esonu says the troops are preventing him and many other Equatorial Guinea citizens from returning to their country to vote on November 20.
0: No hay libertad de prensa, no hay libertad de expresión, no libertad de reunión.
4: Esono said scores of business persons persons are stranded and cannot move to Cameroon from Ibebein, a town in Equatorial Guinea. Cameroon imports vegetable oil, wine, canned food and body lotions from Equatorial Guinea and exports building material, vegetables, tomatoes, rice and potato to Equatorial Guinea. On October 25, Equatorial Guinea's vice president, Teodoro Ngema Obiang Mangi said the border was sealed to prevent from the infiltration of groups that may want to destabilize Equatorial Guinea's elections. 80-year-old Obiang is Africa's longest-serving leader. The former military officer, serving as the second president of Equatorial Guinea, took power in an August 1979 coup. He will be facing two candidates in the November 20 elections. Esono Ondu is running for the first time, while Mansui Asumu is running for the third time. Obiang told the pan African TV channel Afric Media on Monday that he will continue to develop his country and reduce poverty in rural communities if re elected. Nuestro slogan is la continuidad. Obiang says it is by no error that continuity is the slogan of his election campaign. He says his exceptional program is to open Equatorial Guinea businesses to the rest of the world so that by 2035, the Central African State can become an economically independent emerging economy. Owona Wolfang is a political analyst at the University of Yaoundé's Political Science Research Center in Cameroon. He says Obang is poised for another victory as in the past 6 elections when he never got less than 90% of the vote. Ce ne serait qu'une logique si. After the election of his son, Wolfgang says it will not be surprising if after the elections, the aging Obiang hands over leadership of Equatorial Guinea to his son, Teodoro Gema Obiang Mangi. He says Obiang's son is Equatorial Guinea's vice president and a very influential member of the Democratic Party of Equatorial Guinea, the country's ruling party. The opposition says Obiang's rule is marked by persecution and torture of political opponents, corruption, and sham elections, charges Obiang's party denies. The ruling party holds 99% of the 100 seats in the outgoing National Assembly and all 55 seats in the Senate. Equatorial Guinea's presidential poll was initially scheduled for April 2023. President Obiang, brought it forward to November 20 to coincide with legislative, Senate, and local elections. Equatorial Guinea has an annual oil revenue of more than $3 billion, but most of its 1.5 million people live in poverty, according to the United Nations. Moki, Edwin Kinzika for VOA News, Kyosi, Southern
0: Cameroon. And that's it for this Tuesday, November 8th edition of Daybreak Africa. We thank you for joining us this morning. On behalf of the Daybreak Africa crew, I am James Bartim,